right, be turning to the uh, book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 5. Now we're back in the traditional Christmas uh, story passages of Scripture. I always like to start here. And when you talk about starting uh, with the Christmas story, I always start here, even though it's about six months before the angel came and talked to Mary. And that's typically where you think the Christmas story starts, is when the angel comes to talk to Mary. But you have to understand, the Christmas story is not just stacked on top of the biblical narrative. It's woven all through the Old Testament. And of course, when you get to look at this particular circumstance with uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth, we know that they were, of course, closely related to Mary. So it's an ongoing story, and the child that would be born has a very intricate part in the ministry of Jesus. So you start here, but that's not really the starting place. This is a good starting place because God kind of gives it to us in that the events and the narrative of the Old Testament get to a certain point, and then there's a break and we'll talk about that, then we're introduced to the events in Luke chapter 1. So God gives us a good starting point without having to go all the way back to Abraham and go all the way up at the Christmas story, which is when Stephen preached his sermon that, of course, ended up uh, with the result of him getting stoned to death. He started at the Old Testament to try to explain to them who Jesus is and what the connection was. And he had one little verse in there when he talked about Jesus Christ, but he spent the whole chapter of uh, Book of Acts, uh, you'll see that invested in there. To tell people who Jesus is, you have to go back to the Old Testament. But this is a good starting place in that we're all familiar with all this, and, and we like, of course, looking at the Christmas story in different chapters throughout December. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5. Would you stand as the scriptures read, please? There was, in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both well advanced in years. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. The whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. He will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will go before him in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zacharias said to the angel, How shall I know this? 
for I am an old man, and my wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands at the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute, not able to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their own time. And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he lingered so long in the temple. But when he came out, he could not speak to them, and they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple, for he beckoned to them and remained speechless. So it was, as soon as the days of the service were completed, he departed to his own house. And after those days his wife Elizabeth conceived, she hid herself five months, saying, Thus the Lord has dealt with me in the days when he looked upon me to take away my reproach among the people. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the Christmas story, the New Testament stories of the birth of Christ. We ask as we look at these passages throughout this month, you'd impress upon us exactly the wonder and the magnitude of what happened. And thank you, Father, for the stories around the story and how many different things there are to look at and to anchor to with the Old Testament and all the prophets. We know this is one chapter of a very long story of redemption for humanity. Let us never lose sight of that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Luke says a lot in just a few words. There was, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, a priest named Zacharias. There was, in the days of Herod. We might say that that's just a, a historical fact, but if you realize who Herod was, what kind of king he was, these were not uncomfortable times uh, with the children of Israel in the Hebrew nation. Herod was not a Hebrew man. He was uh, from Edom, long-standing uh, fraction uh, of, of the Edomites. And of course, his position was not even a, a rightful king according to the bloodline of the Hebrew people. He was more or less appointed by Rome. Herod was a very jealous man. He was a very insecure man. He was a corrupt man, very corrupt and very violent. Uh, he uh, murdered several of his own family members because he was suspicious that they were uh, plotting a conspiracy against him. So we realize they were very uncomfortable uh, at times for the children of Israel. To, to add to the uncomfortable time of Herod, there was an ongoing issue of 400 years of silence that had gone on with the Hebrew people. God spoke to Abraham. God spoke with Joseph, God spoke with Moses, God spoke with Joshua, God spoke with the judges, God spoke with Samuel and other priests, and then in the reign of David, God spoke with other prophets, and of course, from then on, with every administration in the kingdoms of Judah and Israel, God had prophets that would speak regularly concerning the behavior of the king and the people and the judgment and the direction of God. Very regularly, 
we have prophets. Some of their words are written down in the book of the major prophets and the minor prophets, but there were other prophets throughout all of these generations. And then it became silent. It became silent. And the only period that equaled this silence was those centuries that the Israelites were in Egyptian bondage. We don't have any record of any revelation to them at that time until God speaks to Moses at the burning bush. But since Moses, all the way up through the last of the prophets that we see in the minor prophets, God spoke to them. And then there were silence. Now, if they had listened to the prophets, they would know God warned them about this. If you want to turn to the book of Amos, chapter 8, it's a minor prophet, so have to kind of look hard through there and find the book of Amos. They all, they're all kind of close together because some of them are just about a page long. This is in the eighth chapter of the book of Amos. The book of Amos, chapter 8, verse 11. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They will wander from sea to sea and north to east. They shall wander to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but will not find it. There will be a famine in the land. A famine of the word of the Lord. Amos, the prophet, foretold that. Now, the reason for this famine, he also said as well, he, of course, a couple of chapters earlier, uh, issues an injunction of judgment against Israel because of their wayward ways. He said, you spend too long not listening to God and ignoring God, and then God quits talking. God quits, that's part of the judgment. And he said there was a famine of the word of the Lord. If you remember when Jesus was standing before Pilate, this is in Mark chapter 15, Matthew chapter 27, Pilate tried to talk to him and ask him questions. And he said, are you the king of the Jews? He said, uh, you said that. It's your words. And then he asked him many more questions. said, Jesus answered him nothing. You remember also Herod. Herod wanted to talk to the Lord because Pilate passed him off to Herod in Luke chapter 23. Herod wanted to uh, get Jesus to do a, a miracle for him. He wanted some mighty work. He was glad he was, he was in front of him. He wanted him to do a trick for him, more or less. And Jesus said absolutely nothing. Silence. Silence is very effective in obtaining somebody's attention. Very effective in attaining some, and it's very noticeable. Have you ever been listening to the radio or the television and suddenly there's what they call dead air space. Nobody's talking. Nothing's there. You may be doing other things, but when that dead air space comes up and 
there's no sound, it will really get your attention. God obviously had gotten their attention. Silence makes people uncomfortable. It, make, it makes them uncomfortable with themselves, case in point. A good police interrogator will use silence and will ask a question. The person will answer the question. The interrogator says nothing. And because silence is too uncomfortable, usually the one being interrogated will start talking. My brother dealt with a lot of law enforcement people in his career of, of selling different components and electronics to law enforcement people. And he said some of these people just did not put this uh, pattern of behavior on the shelf when they went out to eat with you. He said that all of a sudden in the middle of the conversation, they would go silent on you. And he said, it was very uncomfortable. You keep wanting to just spill your guts and fill up the, fill up the silence. See, that's what was going on is the people had heard God talk, but they put it in the background. Oh, yeah, yeah. Then God was silent for 400 years and had gotten their attention. The thing about when silence gets your attention, what happens next, really important. What happens next after 400 years of silence, God shows up in the temple, and he shows up to talk to a man named Zacharias. Let's look at this man named Zacharias. There was a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughter of Aaron, of the daughters of Aaron. Her name was Elizabeth. Look at what it says about these two people. They were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. Notice what Luke says. And Luke, of course, paid attention to detail. And Luke actually says in his introduction, this is where I got my material. I talked to a lot of people. And he talked to a lot of people. And here's what people said about Zacharias and Elizabeth. It says they were both righteous before God. Then it says, of course, they were blameless. That's not the same thing just being said twice. Righteous before God talks about their inward condition. Their inward condition. It is true that there were some dark, turbulent times in the country. And the country as a whole, the leadership had drifted away from trusting the Lord God and he got into a, a spirit of legalism. And Jesus, uh, of course, would address that later on. But they had gotten away from the trust in the true and living God and had gotten into legalism and all these rules and regulations they had made up to see if they could measure up spiritually. And you see, there were major, three, four major groups of people in the, uh, in the Hebrew nation. There were the Sadducees and the Pharisees. There were the Zealots. All these people talk a lot. Then there was a group of people that were identified simply as the quiet in the land. These were people who very quietly and devotedly served God and waited and looked and expect the coming Messiah. Zacharias and Elizabeth were identified just by their lifestyle as the quiet in the land. You see, they were righteous before God. That was the inward condition. Then it says this, and all the commandments and the ordinances of the Lord blameless. 
walking in these things blameless, that shows us their outward appearance. Both are important. It's important that our inward person is right with God. It's also important that people see that our inward person is right with God. And we spoke a little bit about that as we looked at the book of James last Wednesday night about faith being seen by our lifestyle. And these two people were right with God, but when you watched them, you could tell they were right with God because their life exhibited it. Zacharias did his job. Look real close at this passage of Scripture. Zacharias was in the temple. Zacharias was to be there two weeks. The lot fell on Zacharias to burn incense in the temple. We don't know if it's the first day. We don't know exactly when the angel showed up. But it says Zacharias was stricken, mute, couldn't talk. And he came out. And in chapter, verse 23 of this passage of Scripture, look what it says about Zacharias. So it was, as soon as the days of his service were completed, he departed to his own house. Now that says a lot. That says this. It was some days between the time that he was stricken and couldn't talk to the time he went home. How many of us would stay there and finished our job? We come out of the temple. We can't talk anymore. I'm out. I'm going home. That's not Zacharias. He was sent there to do a job. And he did the job, even though... During the course of his job, he couldn't talk anymore, but he stayed with it. That's the kind of man that he was. You know what Zacharias means? The name Zacharias, this is where God gives us a wealth of information in the way he even named children. His parents gave him the name Zacharias. They didn't know what would happen in his life, but God did. Zacharias means the Lord has remembered. The Lord, of course, remembered his two faithful followers, Elizabeth and Zacharias. And he says, your prayer is heard. I have remembered you. The Lord remembered his earlier promises. He says, you'll have a son. That's, of course, I remembered your earlier prayer, but I also remembered my earlier promises. My earlier promises are outlined, if you want to look, in the book of Malachi, which is a little bit easier to find because it's right before Matthew. The book of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 5. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming and the dreadful day of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. Verse 5 and 6, words of that, of that passage are included in the angel's message. It had been 400 years since God had spoken to Malachi. 400 years of silence. Many people may have forgotten those words. They may have think, thought that God had forgotten those words, but God remembered his promise. And his promise was he was not through with his nation. And he would send a messenger after the spirit of Elijah before the coming 
of the Messiah. And he says, I have not forgotten these words, and your son will be the messenger. Wow. And then we have the power of a name. He said his name will be called John. John. It's quite interesting. You remember, of course, verse 59, when the little baby was born, and the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, they would have called him by the name of his father, Zacharias. His mother answered, said, no, he'll be called John. They said to her, there is none among your relatives who is called by that name. So they made signs to his father what we'd have him called. And he wrote for, asked for a writing tablet and wrote saying, his name is John. So they are all marveled. And I've brought this up before, but it's too beautiful a picture to ignore. The last inspired written word of the Old Testament is curse in the book of Malachi. The last inspired written word. The first inspired written word of the New Testament are the words that Zacharias wrote on that tablet. Why are they inspired? God told him what to name that baby. So we know that that came straight from God. You know what John means? The grace of God. The Old Testament ends with the word curse. The New Testament begins with the first inspired word on that tablet. His name is John. The name will be John. God is gracious. God remembers his promise, and then God remembered his plan. You remember there was a famine for God's word? There was a hunger for God's word. So he didn't just leave it as the next inspired statement would be his name is John. There are other inspired words that follow. In this passage of scripture in verse 67 of Luke chapter 1, we look real close and we see, Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, His father was filled with the Holy Spirit. And, the, and then he said some things. That tells us what he said next was inspired, spirit-led, straight from God. And that's what inspired means, is holy men of God spoke as they were instructed by the Holy Spirit. And here's what he said. The hunger for God's word and the people around him had had been, you know, of course, hungering for God's word for generations. And then those that were in his household heard these words. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. He has visited and redeemed his people and raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the highest. You will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people, 
by the remission of sins, through the tender mercy of our God, with which the day spring from on high has visited us, to give light to those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the way of peace. God remembered the hunger for his word. And didn't they get an ear for it? Some of the most beautiful words written in the New Testament they received that day when God broke the silence. And then it just gets better from there. Is there any word before we close? If not, as we stand dismissed with a word of prayer,